0: God bless. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here. It's funny looking at the image. I've got a sweater and there's a Christmas tree. There's the season. (laughs) Well, glad you guys are here joining us. I know some of you are watching TV. Uh, Not going to mention names, but hey, it's the World Cup. It's it's, a good reason. Um, but let's pause, let's pray before we get started. And we are beginning our Advent series. Um, this has been a, kind of a, a tradition with us to try and do a little bit more throughout the se- season. And before we start, I just want to thank everybody. All 33 stockings are gone. We filled them within the first few days. Um, we are going to look into doing some other things for those who maybe didn't get a stocking but still want to do some things. We did the uh, toys with the Warrior for Children last year, and I think we will be able to do that as well. Also want to remind you for the need that is in Haiti, uh, the people there are still going through tremendous hardship. And so if you go to forareason.org, there is a tab there where you can uh, contribute and that money will go to the families that are being sponsored by For a Reason. It's for the children who go to the schools. The kids can't go to schools right now and we just need to give them basic supplies so that they can live. And so that is another way that we can give um, and it is known by those children who receive. And so if you have the means to do that, please do what we can to make uh, the season special in the right way. But let's pause, let's pray as we continue. God, once again, we are here and reminded of the need to reorient our minds and give focus to you. There are so many things that are pulling at us, Distracting us, uh, to want to jump into the commercial, commercialism of the season to spend, to get caught up with having to, to do so many things that maybe we don't even want to do, but feel that we have to, uh, Lord, may we pause right now and take a deep breath and recognize how important it is at times like this to represent you well, and may we do so even this morning as we gather together, and I do ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And before Randy starts, I want to ask a question for those watching and for you guys here. What does freedom mean to you? Let that bounce around in your head as we start this morning. Again, thank you, Randy. Good morning again. um, A couple of other things that I want to let you guys know. With our Christmas tree, we don't have any decorations yet. and What I thought would be fun is if you guys would bring in an ornament and with it a story of what that ornament means to you. Okay, And you can bring one, and if everyone brings one, we'll have a few ornaments here. Um, and then, you know, if you would like, I can share a little bit maybe about those stories and what they mean to us. Um, and then you've got to take your ornaments home, okay? Because so, otherwise, we don't know what we will do. There is actually one ornament on this tree. I don't know if you can see it. It's a manger scene. It says hope, and it's got one of the legs broken off. I didn't bring this. This was forgotten on the tree, and so it just I thought it was fitting, though. There it is. Um, Anyway, that's something that we can do, so remember, next week, bring an ornament with a story of what that ornament means to you. This season is a again it 's a difficult season, not only because of the pressure uh to you know get things for your kids to have uh, meals for your family. By the way, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a great time with our family there. all the kids made it, the grandkids, so it was kind of a circus, but it was a lot of fun uh, but it 's a busy season, and in that busyness, there can be a lot of anxiety it 's also An emotional season, I mean, it's a part of our history for so many of us, being children, what it meant to us and having family. And for those of us who have lost family, lost loved ones or without our parents, um, maybe siblings or even children, uh, it can be a very difficult time. And so with this season comes a lot of emotion and as we step into it, we want to be aware of that emotion. And again, we want to allow the opportunities that are before us to do good in this season to take place. And what we've said in the past is we want to spend less but give more. We we don't want to continue spending the billions of dollars that people spend just in the US alone on gifts, I mentioned last week, over $15 billion is spent a year on gifts that people return. And so let's give more relationally. Uh, have people over, maybe have dinner with someone, go out for a cup of coffee or write a note to someone and give it to them, something that's personal, that means a little bit more than just here's a gift because I had to get you something because you know go to work and they're there and what if you get me something, I gotta get. There's so much that goes on like that. But let's give of ourselves relationally and recognize that that is what we are called to do. And that's the story that we are leaning into. As we begin Advent, the word Advent means coming, right? It's the arriving of Jesus and it's a celebration. The the Sunday after Thanksgiving is when it starts until Christmas. One other announcement, because Christmas falls on a Sunday morning this year, we have decided, or I have decided, but everyone who is a part of kind of leadership has helped me decide that we are not going to be meeting on Sunday, Christmas morning, okay? Um, Because no one else could make it and I would be the one here. And so I was going to be here, but they, no. uh, (laughs) It is... I don't need to feel the pressure of having to perform because it's Christmas. If you don't have a place to go Christmas and you were hoping to be here, call me and you can come to my house, okay? But we don't have to be here. <laughs> By the way, cream is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's okay with her. <laughs> we don't have to do this just because it's the season to do so, right? Those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. I know a lot of you would be here because you think you have to be here, but then you'd have to go home and get whatever it is in the oven or get things ready for the kids or the grandkids. And so don't worry about it. You don't have to be here. We're not gonna be here, but if you need to be somewhere, hit me up, talk to somebody. I don't want you to be alone on Christmas. Um, But that's kind of what's happening here, so... Again, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and if you can, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4 is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and he's going to be quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. And he is going to be talking about captivity and freedom. And the idea of captivity and freedom are really important central themes, especially in the New Testament. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or who the son sets free is free indeed. But like I asked earlier, what does freedom mean and what is it to be set free? Time magazine in August issue of 2020 talked about two definitions that exist regarding freedom within the United States. And one is that of being liberated from oppression to gain rights and freedoms and equality. The other was protection and the right to enjoy what you have without anyone encroaching upon that and taking it away. And so there are these two kind of competing definitions and there's a gradient in between. I I think there is always one or the other or the pushing back and forth between the two that have existed in not only our country, but every society throughout history. People wanting liberation people wanting to hold on to the liberations that they have. And this isn't saying one is right, one is wrong, but they are a tension that we have between them. For the people who, who live in different parts of the world, there is the desire for liberation from oppression, the ability to speak their mind freely. In other parts of the world, there is this feeling of what I have, the freedoms I have are being taken away, and so I want to try and hold on to them and keep the things that I have. A freedom for those who want to be liberated, a freedom for those who have something and don't want what they have taken away, and at the times both of Isaiah, they were in captivity with the Babylonian empire and at the time when Luke is being written there was the Roman empire and so both of these times are talking about oppression that is happening to the people there is the the substantial awareness of this oppression that is taking place and Jesus after 40 days in the desert being tempted reminiscent of 40 years of the wilderness journey in Exodus comes back to his hometown in Nazareth. And we know him as Jesus, but they knew him as little Jay, okay? They knew who he was back there. They didn't have TV. They didn't have electronic distraction. They were knowing about everybody's business because that's what they had to do. And so here comes Jesus, the person who they've seen grow up the kid who was in their youth group, so to speak, right? All these things are an awareness that they have of him. And in Luke chapter four, starting at verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of slight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now we have to see this picture clearly. Jesus wasn't handed a King James Bible and said, here, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. He was handed a scroll. There were no chapters, there were no verses, and he had to find the place where this was written. I don't know how long that would take, but it probably took a little while. I can remember sitting in church, and when the speaker would ask us, turn to, and they would mention a book, the book of Ruth, chapter three, it'd be like, okay, I gotta prove that I know my Bible by getting to the book of Ruth before the person next to me, right? And don't look at the table of contents because that means you don't know your Bible. Of course, it means you just don't know or memorize the books of the Bible. It's different than knowing what's in the Bible, right? And there's all these tricks that I would use to try and know the books of the Bible. Girls eat potato chips, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? I mean, (laughs) these kinds of things that you use. But Jesus opens a scroll and he goes to this part where Isaiah presents these things. And he says here, this scripture is now being fulfilled in your hearing." Imagine how much time that would take. Imagine the focus that was there on him. And as he reads this passage of liberation by the Spirit of the Lord and says that he is the one who is completing this task, everyone is glued to him. And we can spiritualize these things. You know, the idea of poor being he, he is helping those who are poor in spirit, freedom from the prisoners, you know, it's those who are in bondage to trauma or addiction. Giving sight to the blind, blindness from the ways of God. That's fine, but Jesus was also speaking literally about these things. In his ministry, it was directed towards those who were poor, those who were the outcasts. That's who he lived among. That's who he interacted with. He did release people from the societal condemnation those who were imprisoned in that sense and definitely healed those who were blind, lame, all manner of disease. So he literally did these things and it's not that you can't spiritualize them, but he did them, actually. In Galatians chapter five, Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And the slavery he's talking about is freedom from the oppression of legalism that was trying to bring this freedom of Christ to a a list that you had to follow, a law that you had to obey. In verse 13 and 14 of the same chapter in Galatians, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of indulging the flesh is contrasted in this verse with serving one another humbly in love. And so if you want to know what indulging in the flesh is, contrast that. You could maybe say arrogantly taking what we want or think that we deserve. That would be an idea of indulging in the flesh, holding on to what you think belongs to you, a right. And again, we see the contrasts of those two freedom ideas coming to bear, and what it meant to hold on to, this is our tradition, this is our heritage. We are a people and we can take pride in our descendants from Abraham for them. And maybe it, it's something else today, a descendant from or a nationality, whatever it is. Feeling that there is this right to hold on to this. Now, things are going well. So far in Luke chapter four, Jesus says these things. Today it's fulfilled and everyone's listening to him and it's just going swimmingly. In verse 22 of chapter four, all spoke well of him. This is after he just said, I'm fulfilling this. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked, right? Little jay has got a gift for public speaking, man. He's doing so good. Yeah, we know him. We remember him. But Jesus presses into them as he does. And in verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Now, Luke's gospel doesn't tell us what happened in Capernaum, but from the other gospels, we know that there were healings. There were other miraculous signs that take place. And again, news of this caliber would spread in a small town. Everyone is talking about him. Here he is. He's finally come home. Great. Now we get to see some things. And he's calling them on that. You're going to want me to do what you've heard about me doing and and to say, heal yourself. That is something prophetic of what will happen at the cross. In verse 24, he goes on and he, again, really puts the, the needle in. He says, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. Now where he goes with these two stories is central to what is going to be taking place, right? The widow with Elijah, whose son was healed, was a Sidonian woman. She was not a local. She was not an Israelite. She was someone who was a foreigner. And Naaman was the Syrian commander, who came to be healed from leprosy and was told to go bathe in the river and he washed and he was healed and he almost left, but he came back and showed thanks. In fact, he took some dirt with him because they believed that God would live there in the land and so he wanted to take part of where he believed Yahweh dwelled was the dirt and he took it back with him and he asked Elijah, he said, when I go into the temple of Remnon with my commander and I have to bow down because I have to be there for him to hold on to, may you pardon me for going into this pagan temple, bowing before a pagan god and Elijah says, go in peace. And he brings up these two foreigners, these two outsiders, and he's telling them, you think you are on the inside because of your affiliation with a certain tribe. With them, it was Abraham. You feel that you're special because of who you are and fill in the blanks with what that can mean to us today. But I'm giving... Liberation and healing to those who you don't think deserve it. In fact, I am giving liberation and healing to the people who you consider your enemy, those you have hatred for, those you see in a negative way are the very ones I'm going to include in this healing liberation. And now they understood what he said because... Now they were upset. And they were so upset. I mean, remember, just now they were saying, man, he speaks so well. He's so gifted. He's so gracious. And then he throws this bomb on them. And in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Not that he said, I'm fulfilling this. They were okay with that. But when he says, I'm fulfilling this and I am going to liberate those who are oppressing you just like I want to liberate you, they could not handle that. Verse 29, they got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. They were upset. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is so, so interesting. You say you're the anointed one from God, going to bring healing and liberation. Great. We want in on that. You say you're going to bring that healing and liberation on the people we despise. You have to die. And I know there are a few layers taking place here, right? We... we, we, We see a people who are being oppressed by the Roman government wanting liberation, and that's a very real need. We see humanity in bondage and blind to their own arrogance, needing healing and liberation as well. And what stands in the way of our healing and our liberation is our definition of who that is for and what it means to us. And so James quotes the Proverbs And he says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor, gives grace to the humble. The ones who think that it's their right are forfeiting that right. But the ones who are in need and recognizing the need are getting God's favor. And that doesn't matter who you are or where you are. You can be a Sidonian woman. You can be a Roman centurion and still have God's Favor even though you aren't one of, quote, "God's people." And they couldn't stand for that. It made them outraged, hearing this. And forgive me for, for going here, but it, it just it did this to me as I was looking at this, back in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic. There was a lot of uncertainty, right? We, we had just moved into this area from this school, and the whole idea was what we were going to try and save some money so that we could, you know, get a building. We had to spend some money to get that building set up, and then the pandemic hit. And and people were very supportive. Again, it was a lot of questions: What's going on? How bad? How serious is this? We had to get equipment to to go on live because we hadn't had a really uh, live presence on you know YouTube or anything live. And, And so we started doing that, and people were interacting with one another. I remember our first YouTube. We had so many things going on, and so many things we had to do on line were just new to us but it was something that was being embraced by our community we had to do Colleen's memorial online because it was taking place during that season and then there was the killing of George Floyd and there was an awareness of racial tension and then there was the election that was taking place and within those things, that's when it really hit the fan. As I started trying to to speak about what I saw happening and what our role as people who are followers of Christ are to be, I, I started presenting things that started causing people to think, wait a second, are you saying that you're for the other side? And, and really, I was saying, I think God is for all sides. And, and as I was trying to make statements and understanding, I remember talking about how both the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation were using exaggerated language to try and deal with some political things that were happening at that time, much like political cartoons in our time where they have exaggerated features of the characters. And I I thought I showed a a presentation or example of it that I thought was safe. It was like almost 50 years old and it was that of Richard Nixon and someone was so upset with me because I didn't show the counter with a democratic part. And I thought, but it's Nixon, right? I mean, I thought, if anyone, and this is almost 50 years ago, but that's how high the tension was. Just because I brought This cartoon, they thought I was speaking against their party. And so many people didn't want to have anything to do with this kind of language. And I know that that is the reason some of the people left Genesis at that time. There were others. And I love these people. I still love them. I still talk with them. But this was too much for them. And I never supported one or the other party. I actually don't like either. But some things are so sensitive and so important that when you make a statement that they feel threatened by, this is the reaction. And it's what we saw happen here. I then did a series on the politics of Jesus through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. And that was after the election, trying to understand that the kingdom of God is in stark contrast to the political kingdoms of our time, that there are no boundaries, they're open to every tribe, tongue, people, and that the posture of Jesus is neither right nor left nor religious, it is a kingdom that the book of Hebrews says can't be shaken. And when I look around today with all that is happening globally, politically, it's as if everything is shaking. And I don't know about you, but when everything starts shaking, I just want it all to stop. Can it stop shaking for a while, please? Can we can we get some a semblance of peace again? But when Jesus tells us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is a prayer that invites the shaking. His kingdom is one where the meek will inherit the land, where the peacemakers are called the children of God, where only those who hunger and thirst for justice are going to be filled. I find that often God's freedom looks different from mine And all I really want is for the shaking to stop so I can hold on to what freedom I had. And I think what is happening is that we are being invited into a new revolution of freedom that can't be shaken. And it doesn't matter where I live in the world. It doesn't matter what political system is over me. Just like at Jesus's time where you had those who were Romans who he needed to liberate and those who were being oppressed by the Romans who also needed to be liberated. We are living in a time where that is still true because this kingdom supersedes all other kingdoms. But that's the freedom that he is presenting to us. A freedom from the sickness of self-gratification at the cost of the world around us. That it's more blessed to give than to receive because we recognize that here is a surplus of what is needed and there's no lack. The surplus of what is needed is love and the freedom that God gives to all. And I think it's interesting because Jesus stopped here in his quote of Isaiah 61 and he left out and the day of vengeance of our God. And I used to think that, well, he left that out because that's gonna happen later on. But I think he left that out because I think he is ending it with this, not trying to get to that. I think Jesus is presenting to us a different picture of the kingdom, one that they never imagined back in the Babylonian times. Well, maybe they did when they talked about the Assyrians and the book of Jonah. But he is helping us to imagine a different kind of freedom. And you see, arriving in this season is this hope. But with it comes the tension because for some, it is going to offer freedom and for some, it is going to threaten maybe the freedoms that they hold or the pride that they are holding onto of what they think belongs to them because of, again, with the Jews, it was being Abraham's children. For us, it might be a different nationalism. For others, it might be a a prosperity. What do we do with the freedom that can't be shaken? And if ours is being shaken, maybe we have to see where we are in comparison to it and decide how to maneuver in that realm I can't tell you where you're at on these things I am dealing with what I have to to understand myself in this picture but that's the beautiful thing about Jesus as he presses in from an outside that I think is foreign to us many times but resonates what the kingdom of God really is. And now we have an opportunity to lean into that again by giving instead of just receiving. By caring as he cared for us. As loving as he loved us. This is the invitation. What would we do with this freedom, what would we do when we are challenged as they were challenged with Jesus' words? That's now where we find ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that I would have a proper understanding of myself in comparison with those around me, that I would think others as you did, more important than myself as being of value to you, even as I value those who are dear to me. Lord, there's a chasm between me and that understanding so many times, and it's not a clear playing field. There's a lot of obstacles that have to work around, but it's still calling us It's still presented before us. You are speaking this to us. This is the gospel that we are invited to. And I pray that we would allow that to permeate our lives, influence how we think, and allow us to participate in your kingdom that isn't shaken, by political pressure, by pandemics, by social status. May we be people of faith. I do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do look forward to the conversation we're going to have. I want to hear your thoughts on freedom. I also want to just give a thanks for the good news that Denise is... coming home today and that the surgery went well. I'm grateful for that and prayers still for complete recovery from the surgery. May your freedom lead to the freedom of others and may we plant our roots in the kingdom that is not shaken. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast.